You've tuned in to localjobnetwork.com radio where you can tune into all your favorite employment-related shows. I'm your host, Katie Chesney, and today we are exploring Ada Buranir's story of how she started her company, Skill Crush. And with Skill Crush, you can learn the skills that you need to break into the coding world. Ada, thanks for joining our show today. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk a little bit about yourself. Thanks for having me. Now, to start us off, I was just wondering if you could quickly you know, share your story of how you got started in technology and why you ended up starting your business, um, Skill Crush. Yeah. So I really came to technology through art, mm-hmm. actually. It was kind of like a mix of two of my passions. One was photography, which is actually what my undergraduate degree was in. Mm-hmm. And then as an um, undergraduate, I also got very interested in writing and journalism. And I came to relate to that. So I hadn't kind of gone through, like I went to a school that had like a very traditional kind of journalism track. So there was like a really fancy daily newspaper that had, you know, has this like, has all these illustrious alumni and stuff like that. And I kind mm-hmm. of came to it late. So I hadn't gone through any of those paths. And this is sort of like mid early 2000s. But I got really interested in writing. And then, and luckily, um, you know, this was at the moment where there's this new thing called a blog. So I started a blog with a friend of mine, and we actually were writing it for the Women's Center Okay. on campus. So that was kind of, I, I feel like those two things really contributed. So I was like writing this blog and kind of being like, oh, blogging, it's a thing. And like, you guys should all pay attention. And then at the same time, I was doing all photography. And then I graduated and I moved to New York City and I started working for artists. And I quickly realized um, that that was not what I wanted to be doing. And so that led me to getting a job as a photo editor at an online magazine. And that was kind of the first time where like the two really came together, my interest in journalism and, you know, my photography and and where they met in the middle was through technology. So it was like through this online magazine, this digital company, all of a sudden it was like everything I was interested in in one place. Well, that's great that you found that all in, in one place. And I was reading about you online and I found an article that referenced that, you know, at one point in your career, everyone in the editorial department at the organization you were with got laid off, but the technology department didn't get laid off. In that article, it kind of had referenced that that was the point in time where you were like, well, they didn't get laid off. I should go learn what they do. What happened actually was I actually... Um I went through sort of two rounds of layoffs at two different companies and basically saw the same thing happen in both places. And what happened is at first I was at the online magazine and at that point I had kind of transitioned, you know, I was, I was a photo editor and then that, that job had kind of grown into being photo editor slash I was helping with a lot of their product development. Mm -hmm. And that was really when I first started learning, like what, that was kind of more of like, I wasn't, I was learning to code like the teeniest, tiniest bit, but really what I was learning was just like, what is it a code is? What is it that coders do? What does it mean to like work on the production team on the, you know, or on the tech team of a tech company? What does that look like? What do they think about and do and stuff like that? So, you know, I had done enough work on that side of like the table to at that point be considered a technology person. And so when they did layoffs, I got fair, even though I wasn't very technical at all at the time, but I was sort of technical enough that they thought I was worth keeping around in this moment where they did lay off a ton of the editorial team. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, this was 2000 and this is early 2009 and media in New York was just like a disaster. I mean, it was like every week, you know, they were just like layoffs and layoffs and layoffs. And so I actually decided that I was going to leave media and go into what I thought was like a safer quote unquote industry, which was advertising. Okay. So I got a job at a digital agency that did ad campaigns for like all types of consumer brands. I was there for seven weeks and got laid off. (laughs) And that was the one where they really just like, they lined up every, I felt like they lined up every non-technical person at the company. Like it wasn't a very big company. It was probably like a little over 30 employees. Mm -hmm. And 
I think they laid off 13 of us and it was like, it was everyone who wasn't a coder or a designer. And then I think they spared like a couple of producers, but they like decimated their strategy department. I was a project manager at that point. I was a digital project manager. Like, you know, we were all out. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like, get out of here. And so I think, you know, especially having like sort of seen that take place twice. So I was like, okay, like message received. (laughs) Yeah. Now, at any point when you were, you're going through this, did you ever have any reservations or self-doubt that you could learn these skills and be really successful at it? Absolutely. I mean, I think I still have those self-doubts. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny now because now that I've gone through so much of it and I've learned so much and I've built such, you know, a company based on teaching people and I've seen so many other people teach stuff, it's really funny that I have these moments because like, you're always learning new technology, right? Like That's right. Just part of what it means to be technical. And so I will be learning something. And, you know, at this point, like, I've got fantastic debugging skills because I obviously have a lot of experience in my own work, but also with so many students. And But it's funny because I'll encounter something. And even though my rational brain is like, you've totally got this, you, like, solved a million of these things before, you know, there's still this part of me that gets, like, I, I find myself, like, being, I'll be like, <gasps> you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you totally get that reaction. And it's just so funny because I'm like, wow, like, for everything I know, I still have that reaction. It's very powerful. So absolutely. I think that is just, I think that's, I don't, I mean, I hate to be so dismissive, but like, I think to an extent that's the human experience and we Mm -hmm. just all have to, I don't know, learn to cope with it. Yeah, definitely. I just feel like everything good comes from learning to deal with that feeling. Now, along the way in, in your career, you founded Skill Crush. And can you tell us what Skill Crush is and how it benefits those who are looking to get into technology and be really successful in it? SkillCrush, um, what we call it, is an online digital skills training and education platform. Mm-hmm. And what that means in practice is that we offer um, a product that's called uh, SkillCrush Blueprint, a digital career blueprint, the full name. We tend to just call it our blueprint. What those are are sort of set packages of courses that are really geared towards a specific career goal. So we have a web designer blueprint. We have a web developer blueprint. Those are our beginner blueprints. It's mm-hmm. for people who are sort of wanting to dabble, wanting to, you know, understand what the technology industry is all about. It's a really good first step. And then for our students who are a little bit more advanced, um, we have two other blueprints. One is called the Freelancer WordPress Blueprint, and the other one is the Ruby on Rails Blueprint. And the Freelancer WordPress Blueprint is really geared towards a student who is looking to make a freelance career, who maybe wants to start their own business or just kind of wants to build up a practice. And then the Ruby on Rails blueprint is really for students who are interested in kind of pursuing a more, you know, quote unquote, traditional career path in the technology industry where they want to go and, you know, work at a bigger tech company on a technology team. So we're all online. Oh, great. So does that mean that you can kind of learn at your own pace? So um, it's a good question. And the answer is yes and no, because the answer is yes, literally you can. Um, when people enroll in a class, they get lifetime access. So you, there is no pressure in terms of like, you're going to get cut off or like you don't finish in a certain time period. That said, um, I will say that, you know, our goal is so fresh. So we have a couple of different goals and things that I think make us really different and unique in this space. And one of them is that we work really, really hard to be extremely friendly and accessible. And I think that's really, at every, you know, at every touch point. Um, and the reason for that is because technology, I think, in a lot of ways has really bad rap. And mm-hmm. a lot of people um, find it really, really intimidating um, and are afraid and, like, are afraid to learn it and think that they can't learn it and they can't possibly get good enough. And that just absolutely is not the case. And I think that the reason for that has a lot to do with the culture of the way in which things have been taught. So a lot of what we're trying to do is kind of change the culture around that. And technology has had such an enormous, amazing impact on the careers of everyone who's worked at Skill Crash, so many of our students. And we're really trying to kind of 
sort of represent that to our students and also make them understand that, like, even if they're over 40 or over 50, heaven forbid, mm-hmm. <laughs> and trying to learn a new skill, this technology is absolutely the place for them and they can really do a lot with it. But in addition to that, importantly, you know, like, we want to be accessible to people who maybe are in places where they don't have a lot of access to technology education. Okay. Um, and also for people who can't, like, stop their full-time job and enroll in, like, a full-time program. So our goal is to really make this something that people can do after work hours, on weekends, and still make significant progress in three months. But, but what the reason why this really is the question that you're asking about, you know, is it self-paced? So we find with our students that um, having a schedule on which you do it and, and importantly, that you're doing it on a schedule with other people significantly improves the chances of success. Oh, really? Yes, like enormously. What has been so amazing about what we've been able to sort of the community we've been able to build up is that students really, really get to know each other, even if they're living, you know, like in like, I'm trying to think of like the most far flung places like, you know, Canada mm-hmm. and New Orleans or whatever. So we find that, you know, a really strong community builds among the students who are taking the classes as they're going through them. And that really helps them stay motivated, stay on track, and it, and it makes them much likelier to finish the program. And not only does it make them more likely to finish the program, it also provides them with a network of people who are looking to be in the same career. And those individuals have networks. So kind of just start to snowballing that network to build so that you can get a job after you take these classes. Absolutely. And we see that. I mean, we see that our students, you know, will like, for example, like we've had students team up together and work on a project. And for a lot of beginners, like they feel a lot more comfortable working with somebody else because they feel because they know that, you know, okay, maybe if I don't know how to do this one thing, they'll know how to do it or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, an important part of what we do in the Silkers community is like, it's not just like, you know, okay, you're done. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, kind of. <laughs> like, we continue to be in touch with our students um, and support them as they go. And this is obviously going to be different for everyone, depending on what you do. But say, for example, you're a, a project manager at an ad agency. If you take one of these classes and you really start applying yourself and learning how to code, is that enough to really make a successful transition to technology? Or are there other things that you need to be doing on the side to really build up your resume so you can get a job? Yeah, so this is a really good question. And, you know, and it's one that, like, I sometimes am not you know, I'm not totally sure how to represent this to people who are not in the industry. But basically, like, in terms of skills that you need, um, a lot of the most important skills that you need to get that are going to make you really employable are not things that you really learn in class. They're things that you learn by practicing. Okay. What we see with our students is that we can teach you all the sort of the core skills that you need to know. And then what you really need to do is you need to, like, build projects. And through the process of building projects, is that's what will really cement those skills. and also so much of what you do when you are a working developer is just if we could all just sit in a closet or like on top of a mountain and write code like we would it would just be like perfect code all the time like everything would be wonderful and we'd have no problems but that's not reality right like you're always dealing with clients and deadlines and you know weird security bugs and like whatever other random thing you could never have guessed was going to happen um and a lot of those things like there's this you know we try we actually do do things like we um you know, one of our classes, we have this, like, big client, and she emails you every day, and sometimes she is just pretty demanding, and, like, <laughs> try to replicate that as much as possible, but there's a certain amount of that that you just can't replicate instead of a classroom environment. Mm-hmm. You know, we definitely have students who have gotten work right out of class, but I'd say the more common thing is that our students have gotten project-based work, the so freelance work out of, out, right after they've done with their class, and that 
sort of doing a couple of those projects is really what will make you that with having learned skills is what will make you really attractive to an employer. In talking to hundreds of employment professionals, one thing that I hear pretty consistently is that it's important to have a mentor, especially when you're going through kind of a career change or a career transition. So is it a little bit different having a mentor when you're looking at doing coding? Like I'm trying to get in the mind of a coder. Do you guys like get together and bounce ideas off of each other? Or is it more of like an intellectual conversation about coding? I think all of the things that apply in every other industry apply in, in technology. This has been sort of a, a big insight for me in terms of what has made people succeed and what hasn't made, pe- made people succeed and influenced a lot of the way in which we structure our program. Mm-hmm. So when I was first creating Crash, I had actually planned to make it more of like a self-serve model where students log in and there's video tutorials and they can do them on their own time, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. And what I found, though, because I'm was i a, a big lean startup junkie and it's like if you say product management, I'm like all over it. So got to the point where I was like, okay, like, I don't really think this is quite working. So I need to learn more about my market and understand, like, what are their problems and needs. And what I found basically was that I was talking to a lot of, of our users or sort of people who fit demographically into our user base. And I found that I, I would ask these questions where I would say, okay, like, when you hit, like, a, a wall or, like, a hurdle, what did you do to solve that? So you, mm-hmm. like, kind of you know, these are people who are like, I was learning to code and I was doing it online and then like, and then something happened. And so I would say, okay, so what did you do? And the people I was talking to would split down the middle and they would, half of them would have Google for the problem, the answer. So they'd like get on Google and be like, why is this error happening? Right. And the other half said, I, I had a friend, you know, I had my boyfriend or, you know, I had a friend from school or my girlfriend or whatever, you know, like they knew somebody who was a coder who they could ask. And what I found in my interviews was that it split along those lines also who succeeded and who didn't. Mm-hmm. So the people who only had Google to ask did not succeed and did oh. not continue in their journey of learning to code. And the people, and of course, this is not scientific data, but nonetheless, it was enough for me <laughs> to make a bunch of business decisions on it. And the people who had someone to turn to did really well. And that basically, so my thought there was how can we re- recreate that kind of mentorship online and at scale? Um, and that's basically what we're trying to do. Because the truth of the matter is, is that, like, you know, it's sort of like the Shell Sandberg has a great sort of thing about how people are like, will you be my mentor? It's like that doesn't really work, right? You mm-hmm. can't conjure a mentor when you need one. So what other avenues are there for you to get mentorship? And that's sort of what we think about a lot and, you know, and how we structure our programs. Like, how can we mentor our students through this, you know, this online platform and, great, and give them the same benefits that they would get from a one-on-one mentorship relationship? Great. Well, it seems like you've really accomplished that. And I do want to switch gears a little bit here and talk about the overall technology industry. And it's very competitive as far as its atmosphere. And it's mostly dominated by men. And I know that we're making a lot of strides in getting women involved in technology. So from your perspective and your experience, do you feel like women have a harder time breaking into the industry and that kind of might prevent them from continuing on down this path? Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's, I feel like there's like, it's, you know, there's like the tech industry, and then there's like technology, and then there's like technology used in other industries, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And I think that often they get kind of like all lumped together. Mm-hmm. What I find with my students, is like what we're really focused on with my students who are predominantly women is thinking creatively and working with them to see how technology can positively impact their life and careers especially from an economic standpoint, like we, like our goal is for them to make more money or if not make more money, then get some other benefits that they want. So whether that's, you know, more flexibility or greater location freedom or whatever they're looking for. 
I think that there are a lot of avenues for that and there's a lot of opportunities for that. And I don't think that a lot of the problems that plague the tech industry, and especially when it comes to women, impact women's ability to use technology to advance their careers. I think that there are a lot of things that are broken about the tech industry. I think that there are a lot of companies that are trying to make strides to fix it. I think that, you know, old habits die hard. Like, I think that, unfortunately, it's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that often saying it doesn't mean you're actually doing it. I think that, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a real problem. Like, I think that, you know, and I, I, I'm part of sort of a lot of different women in tech groups. And this is something we talk about a lot. And, you know, we I, like, I just remember I sat, we did this like sort of like, you know, there's four of us and we were all dealing with different things. And we we're talking about how there's like these different steps of the problem, right? There's the pipeline problem. And that's really more where I'm focusing my energy is, you know, how do we get more women interested in technology? How do we get them like learning technology and thinking about it? Mm-hmm. And then there is, you know, okay, so then how do we get them into the tech companies? Like, what does that look like? Um, and there's a really amazing company called Power to Fly. I don't know if you're familiar with them. That's doing really interesting work to get more women placed on developer teams. Okay. And then the problem is you've got retention issues, right? So then yep. you get women in there. You can't just get them into the front of the sausage factory. It's like they're just going to get set out at the end, right? Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm not answering your question directly because I maybe don't have a direct answer. I think that there are real problems. I, I think that there are sectors like I, I know a lot more women who work in technology in the media industry. Okay. So I don't even know. Maybe that, that doesn't fall under the technology industry. But I think there are ways to work in industries where you're really using tech and really like have a great experience. That was more of where I was in tech. Sure. Before I went into SoFresh, I had worked um, predominantly in newsrooms on the tech side and I had a great experience. I worked with wonderful people who were extremely supportive. I really, I personally have not. Um, experience any hardship or anything like that yeah no I mean I, I feel like like I'm I'm blonde I'm young and I'm bubbly so like <laughs> I definitely had that <laughs> um behavior problem but I but, like I I really have been mentored by wonderful wonderful people um, and a lot of men and I've had a really good experience so I'm very thankful for that and that's just you know all I can say that's my experience um I wish that was everybody's experience it definitely isn't I think that you know, I think the more technical you get, the worse it can get in a lot of ways. It's not an easy solution. Or it's not a problem that has an easy solution. Um, and I'm just glad that people are talking about it. Um, but I, I just think it's also important that women understand that, like, being, like, using technology does not mean, you know, going and being sexually harassed all the time. It's not, you know, like, there's, there are really, really exciting opportunities that don't put you in harm's way. Well, I just wanted to ask one final question here. We are up against the clock um, with our time today. And I'm just wondering, what's in your future for you and Skill Crush? So we are, the company has started about two and a half years ago. It's been a really exciting and interesting process for myself personally to Mm -hmm. learn what it is to sort of start a business, get it off the ground, build it into being like kind of, you know, a business that has some feet, like has some legs beneath it. Um, at this juncture, I think that we're trying to scale the business, so just grow it, grow the audience. We're launching new products. You know, a lot of what we've done in the last year is work more on the career side of things. So really understanding more and more what our students are looking to get out of the program and make sure that in addition to giving them the technical skills that we really help them, um, you know, figure out stuff like what do I put on my resume and like stuff that, you know, tends to maybe not seem as like hardcore, but often can be sort of the things people, you know, get stuck on. So we think a lot, we've been working a lot on kind of more career content and helping them get clients and figure out, navigate those 
mm-hmm. waters after they've learned their technical skills. Well, I think that we will end it there. And um, so thanks for joining us, Ada. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was great to hear your story. And I think that um, it'll really inspire some other individuals to go out there and get this education that they need to break into the tech industry. Awesome. I hope so. And with that said, our time is coming to a close today on Technically Speaking. We've been speaking with Ada Birnier from Skill Crush. So please check her out at skillcrush.com if you want to find out more. Now, to find more employment-related shows, head over to aljanradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, send our team an email at aljanradio at localjobnetwork.com. And once again, I'm your host, Katie Chesney with Aljan Radio.